If you are interested in getting back to a sport, a higher level activity, and you have osteoarthritis, this episode is for you. You're listening to the Adventuring with Osteoarthritis podcast. Do you want to learn how to live an active life with osteoarthritis? Hear inspiring stories from others just like you and find out the best ways to naturally tackle joint pain. This podcast has you covered. There are so many possibilities that your healthcare provider may not be telling you about and surgery isn't always the answer. This podcast is not medical advice. Now, here's your host, Doctor of Physical Therapy and Osteoarthritis Specialist, Alyssa Kewen. Today I have with me a fellow physical therapist who specializes in helping people get back to some higher level sports and higher level activities, primarily including skiing. And so we are going to dive deep into if skiing is possible, if you have osteoarthritis, and if you've been following me for a while, you probably already know that answer, but we're going to go into it a little deeper. And then we're going to talk about some specific things to do, some specific things to consider when you are thinking about returning to some of these higher level activities, what types of strengths that you need, and all kinds of different things. So I have with me Greg, who is a physical therapist, like I mentioned. He is also a fellow of the Orthopedic Manual Therapy um, Certification. He'll go into depth on that. And then lots of manual therapy, which I love. And so I'd like to kind of bring that in a little bit too. And if you're not familiar with what manual therapy is, I'll have him describe that a little bit. So what I'd like you to just tell us is one, how you kind of got into skiing as your specialty and helping people with these high performance um, sports, and then a little bit of your physical therapy background. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Alyssa. Um, So yeah, my name is Greg. I graduated from physical therapy school in 2018. um, And I've actually been skiing. Yeah, woohoo, 2018. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've actually been skiing since I was quite young. Okay. Um, and I never realized I wanted to combine my like passion for skiing with my passion for rehab until after I finished all my certifications. And I realized there is a lot of my friends that were asking me all these questions about rehab and training. And um, I actually knew the answers to a lot of these questions, surprisingly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. I can combine uh, what I like to do as a hobby and then what I like to do is work. Um, and now I work pretty much exclusively with skiers online or in person. That's awesome. And you are based in Washington. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. I'm based out of the Seattle area. Okay. That's awesome. And so I want to just dive into just a little bit of this manual therapy. If you just want to describe that a little bit, because we haven't really talked about that at all. And then how you use that in both a hybrid model and how you use that in your own practice. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So when people think manual therapy, a lot of people think of the hands-on approach which it totally is. It's very passive, meaning that you as the patient or you and the individual receiving treatment don't really do anything during that process. So um, if you watch the Olympics or you've been to a massage therapist, maybe they've done cupping with you. Maybe they've done something called instrument-assisted soft tissue massage. Um, Those are all forms of manual therapy. In addition, like massage would be a form of manual therapy. Um, And then actually in physical therapy, certain states, you're allowed to do joint manipulation um, or joint mobilizations. um, So the cracking of the joints, um, and that is considered manual therapy um, as well. 
Sure. And then you, there's also a lot of like self manual therapy techniques as well, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So when we're talking manual therapy, a lot of it is going and looking at correcting um, mobility in certain areas. So we can use straps or resistance bands to help with that mobility um, component. Or for like maybe someone that's a runner, there's a lot of tools out there, something called like the stick or like a foam roller that you would be able to use to um, apply some manual therapy techniques as well. Oftentimes those will be described as like a myofascial release technique. Sure. And the only reason I bring that up is because I like to give different options for treatments and different things that people can search out to see and find pain relief. And manual therapy is one of those that you can use as a keyword in your search if this is something that you're looking for as far as improving mobility. There's lots of ways to improve mobility, but this is definitely one technique that a lot of PTs do specialize in. Um, So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Okay. Now I want to get into some of this higher performance, like getting back to these higher level activities, such as skiing. And if someone were to come to you and we'll just say they have knee osteoarthritis for the sake of um, this example, and they say, you know, can I ski again? And what do I need to do in order to make that happen? Now, granted, it's high level, so it doesn't need to be detailed, but just on a superficial level, like how would you start that conversation? And then how would you kind of navigate the waters there? Yeah. So I think a lot of people, when they come in, a lot of doctors may instill some fear into the individual and say, Hey, you shouldn't load the knee because uh, according to the x-ray, your your cartilage looks super deteriorated or super worn down. Um, And then they come to me and they're like, Hey, Greg, like, you know, my doctor said this, but skiing is my passion. What do you think about that? Um, And usually I I tell them, you know, it's something that we need to break down and look at like how much your knee is able to tolerate. But for most people with the right interventions, they are actually to able to rebuild that cartilage and get back to skiing. Absolutely. And as far as looking at maybe some initial testing or looking to see perhaps maybe explaining what needs to happen in order to be able to get back to skiing. Are there any, some higher level activities that you look at? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, day to day, like going up and down the stairs, we'd have to do that. But when you look at an activity like skiing, there is a ton of eccentric loading and eccentric loading is where you're controlling the body as it's going from Um, like above and then striking the ground and slowly controlling the body as it's coming down towards um, earth. Um, So when we're looking at that, you're going to have larger joint forces or forces going through the joints. Um, And if you're having pain with those, then we need to start at a lower level and build up to that. But gradually, as your body makes adaptations to the forces you're putting through it and the cartilage can handle those stresses, we need to increase that amount of stress so that way the cartilage itself can continue to make the adaptations to handle the forces of skiing. So like one example I might give is like if you can jump off, say, a four inch box onto the ground and land softly and that doesn't bother the knees and you're able to do that with good mechanics, then we need to start increasing the height of that. So that way you can control the forces and really attenuate those forces to reduce the amount of continued deterioration through the cartilage. 
Yes. And I want to bring up the fact of jumping, that jumping is possible. If you have osteoarthritis, it's just a fact of, like you had just mentioned, continuing to build up the appropriate muscle support, continue to build up the structures to be able to absorb that higher level stress. And I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of times when people are in like a traditional physical therapy, they're given clamshells, they're given, you know, chair squats with no progression. They're given these lower level activities because that's the ultimate goal of just traditional therapy is kind of just to get them back to their daily routine. But taking it a step further into some of these higher level things, I think is so important and kind of on the same side of that. What are some of the mistakes that you see a lot of people making when it comes to, you know, going out skiing, when it comes to, you know, putting them at risk for injury? Are there certain things maybe people are lacking or certain strengths people are lacking that puts them at risk for injuries or further pain? Yeah, really good, really good question. So I would say like the number one thing is a lot of people that are avid skiers only do activity, say, in the winter, and they have this big off season. Um, During that off season, what happens is the muscles don't make adaptations to the forces when you were skiing. And then also because of that, the cartilage also isn't being loaded. So when John Smith goes back to the ski hill and thinks, oh, you know, I was able to ski black diamonds at the previous level. um, And they try and do that again at the beginning of the season, the body just isn't ready to accept that level of force. And that's when I really see people's knee cartilage um, get irritated and they they come to the clinic um, describing that achy sensation. Sure. And I would have to imagine that single leg strength plays a huge role in skiing and being successful with it. And I personally find that a lot of people are missing out on that, that especially with like knee arthritis and even getting into some like hip arthritis missing out on like single leg squats and like lunges because they have been so demonized by society that, oh, you have knee osteoarthritis, you shouldn't ever lunge or you shouldn't ever sometimes even squat. Um, And I think that's really important. And I like that you just, that you mentioned previously about the eccentric loading, because you need Mm -hmm. that to go downstairs, you need that to go down hills. So I always tell people like, If you can't do even a modified chair, single leg squat, or you have difficulty going down hills or going down the stairs, that can explain a lot of things. That can explain perhaps the difficulty in skiing. That can explain difficulty like out hiking. And I think that those things are so important to work on in the off season. And I think it's similar to like running per se, like a lot of runners just do running for exercise and just kind of stay in that box. Whereas skiers, and I've met a few that, you know, just take their off season, maybe do some gentle things, some gentle movement activity, walking, et cetera, but then go back to try to ski black diamonds and then have like patellar tendon irritation or all of these other things that kind of surface. And so when it comes to training in particular, what are maybe some things that are something that you should incorporate into your training on a very, I mean, the varying fitness levels, but what are some of the maybe non-negotiables or the things that you usually find yourself working on the most? Yeah. I mean, in a sport like skiing, dynamic balance is going to be a huge component unlike other sports, um, not to diminish other sports, but in a sport like skiing, cause you're on a surface where, um, the surface under you is always changing, whether that snow is 
icy and it's slick or it's more like um, wet and maybe more friction, um, you're always having to make micro adjustments. So um, I really like what you said, Alyssa, doing the single leg training. And even as part of that, incorporating single leg um, training, but changing the surface in which you're doing that on as well to add sure. another challenge component to um, the balance exercise. Absolutely. Do you have any examples? Yeah. So for example, some of the gyms may have a wobble board, which is like a wooden board that um, can mm -hmm. go side to side. So generally I would have someone start with double leg on that just because it can be quite challenging. But then once you master that, then you want to try and like gradually progress to single leg, which means maybe putting more weight on one leg versus the other, and then gradually trying to do it on a single leg. Or I know a lot of gyms have um, a BOSU ball and for the purposes of skiing, instead of putting it with the ball side up, um, I like to put the ball side down so that way you're standing on a solid surface um, and trying to just balance on that um, statically, which means just standing there, but then even progressing through some of the balance exercises like you're talking about. So either doing like a single leg squat up and down or even like lunging and stepping onto that ball and coming off of it, um, doing all variations like that. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know what a BOSU ball is, it's like that half moon um, blue ball looking thing um, that some gyms have it. You can, of course, get them on Amazon too and other places, but those can be really helpful. And you can even do some lower level things on these BOSU balls as well. I mean, simply just working on standing on one leg at first, or like you mentioned, just standing there and then you can, you know, progress up. And I think that a lot of times balance stops at, well, I can stand on one leg. Or a lot of people say, you know, my balance is pretty good. I don't usually worry about it. I shouldn't work on it. But then you add like a single leg stance and say you're passing a weight back and forth, or you close your eyes, or you add head turns, or there's all sorts of different ways to make balance harder. And then people are like, oh, well, maybe my balance isn't as great as I thought it was. And so it's more than just standing on one leg. So if you're watching and listening and think, thinking, oh, my balance is pretty good. I haven't fallen. So, I, you know, I shouldn't really need to worry about it. Balance is one of the most crucial things aside from like these getting back to these sports, even if you want to get back to like tennis and pickleball, where it requires quick movements. Balance is so incredibly important simply for pain relief and for walking and all of these simple tasks too. So don't just stop at that single leg. There are tons of ways to make it more challenging. Do you have any other exercise favorites that you particularly like or you like to give clients? Um, yeah, definitely for like the high level individual. I really like the single leg drop down. So um, you're looking at one sticking the landing. So there's that balance component. But then when they're dropping down, I look for the knee to be in line with the toe and the hips to stay level, which is going to force the muscles to eccentrically work. Basically, you're trying to keep the, the joints in alignment to prevent excessive stress through the joints. Um, obviously, a very challenging exercise, but that's something that I uh, have a goal of all of my patients to build up to. Because um, if you can attenuate the forces dropping down from a box, that's a lot of uh, the same types of forces that you'd encounter, say, in a sport like skiing or even something else like um, pickleball, tennis, basketball. Absolutely. And the single leg drop down, I imagine, is just jumping down from a box and then trying to land on one leg. 
Correct. <laughs> That's correct. Um, so if somebody cannot jump yet, mm-hmm. yet being the key phrase, because I have so many people, even bone on bone knees and hips that are able to return to jumping. What is maybe something they should master first? Um, are they on double leg or are they on single leg? Well, let's say start with double leg. Okay. So I think if you can't jump, working on the deceleration phase is really important because it's trying to accept that body weight. So instead of having you jump up into the air, you can start on the tiptoes and rapidly control your body as it's coming down and try and land at the bottom of that jumping uh, position or the bottom of the squat position um, and controlling yourself there. Sure. And like you said, I mean, a lot of people are told, you know, slow down. A lot of people are told, you know, no high impact, no jumping, just walk, etc. And how do you kind of navigate around that and kind of talk through, is this going to cause more damage? Is this going to hurt my joint? How do you kind of address that? Yeah, totally. So, you know, if you're untrained and say you can't jump and I have you try and do that single leg movement, um, well, then, yes, there's definitely that potential that you're going to hurt the joint because you're unable to control that movement. However, if you are doing um, the right forces and giving the right stress to the body, the body shouldn't respond in pain afterwards. And that's when you know you're either not training the body hard enough or you're getting to the level in which your body can tolerate that. And gradually, as you do that, you can increase the difficulty by doing more reps, um, adding resistance, um, or progressing from, like, say, double limb towards single limb. Um, But I really like to use pain as a factor, or I shouldn't say pain, because a lot of people say they have high pain tolerance, and they'll have discomfort. So even like a, a report of discomfort after the exercise would be a sign that maybe we're progressing the cartilage a little too quickly. Um. But yeah, I like to use that as my guide. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that you mention if you can support your joint correctly, you can get back to these higher level things. It's just getting that progression of having that adequate stability and that adequate support to both challenge the cartilage, because that's ultimately what we're trying to do. You want to continue to challenge that cartilage. Because uh, if you don't, and you spend more time sitting and laying down, et cetera, and don't challenge that, then that's when it starts to further become less efficient. But we have to get to the point where you can actually support your body doing it. And I think that's really important because I think sometimes people are just kind of thrown into, you know, random workouts and things that they find or trying to follow exercise programs or strength programs that they once were doing Mm -hmm. and then get really discouraged that they aren't there right now. And I think that's part of the osteoarthritis journey as part of it is acceptance and saying, okay, I'm not where I'm at right now, but I can get there. And I think that is really important. Is there anything else as far as when you're talking with people or helping people through treating people with osteoarthritis that want to get back to skiing? Are there any other considerations or discussions that you have with them? Um, Yeah, actually, uh, for skiing in particular, if say they have unilateral compartment osteoarthritis, uh, which means like it's not the entire knee joint, um, but maybe it's one part of the knee joint, and say they have like a big desire to go on this family trip, and it's like, this is the first trip in so long, we only do this once a year, like there's no exceptions. 
Then I may recommend something called like an offloader brace just for the time in which they're skiing to allow a, a more even distribution of forces through the knee. Um, but that would only be for the sake of skiing. It's not a substitute for training and doing things outside of that. Um, but if it allows them to enjoy what they really want to do, like during that activity, I would recommend something like that. Um, yeah. So an unloader brace or some type of knee wrap if that like helps your knee feel better. Yes, or like a knee compression sleeve or something along those lines. That mm-hmm. can really that can really help too. Any other? Let's talk about recovery for a second. Mm. Any other um, recovery techniques or strategies that you find yourself telling clients quite often? Um, yeah, so I think in particular, when you look at how the cartilage is healed, um, itself as a structure doesn't have a lot of blood flow. So anything you can do to maximize the blood flow going into the cartilage is really, really helpful. So whether that's like immediately after skiing, you go to the hot tub and kind of just sit there and allow like your blood, your, your blood vessels to open up. But um, in an active way, I really love just stationary bike at low resistance just to kind of pump blood out of uh, pump blood into the tissue and also pump lactic acid out of there. Um, it's an excellent way that I like to just give to uh, promote recovery. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So any final remarks about osteoarthritis, about skiing, about returning to higher level sport that you'd like to leave the audience with today? Yeah, I think if there's one takeaway from today, just know that like if your doctor's given you that diagnosis of osteoarthritis, it's not the end of the world. I've worked with a ton of people that have been able to successfully go through rehab, use exercise as an intervention to build the tissue tolerance and get back to skiing at a high level and do so when it's like really enjoyable. Absolutely. That's so important. And I think that hope is just kind of the main message of all of these conversations that I have. It's, it is possible and knowing that there are different options and you can do hard things, even with osteoarthritis, it's just getting that appropriate progression and building yourself and your joints up to it. And if somebody wants to find out more about you, where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, my name is the ski PT, but it's the underscore ski underscore PT. And then I am also on Facebook. And I think my Facebook name is Greg Louie hyphen the ski PT. So if you search either of those, you should be able to find my profile. Perfect. And we will put the links down below. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you're watching or listening, I hope that this was helpful. And I hope that this sparks a little interest in either getting to out skiing this season or joining the skiing next season. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Adventuring with Osteoarthritis podcast. If this podcast has brought you hope and inspiration, make sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Also, if you're looking for more information on how to start your own arthritis adventure, head to www.keeptheadventurealive.com or follow me on YouTube by searching Alyssa Arthritis Adventure. That's A-L-Y-S-S-A arthritis adventure. We'll see you next time.